Hi everyone and welcome to the Dance Teacher Pep Talk. I am your host Amanda and I am so glad you are here. This is a space for dance teachers and anyone interested in teaching dance who is looking for motivation and fresh ideas. As teachers, we spend our days motivating and giving pep talks to our students and now this podcast is a pep talk just for you. We hope that it helps to ignite new ideas and even work through some deep dance-related thoughts before you head into the studio. Thank you for your support, and now let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody, and happy Tuesday. I am so excited you are here today because we have a very special episode. This is our first interview episode, and I'm so excited to be able to introduce to you not only one of my greatest teachers, but a lifelong mentor and now one of my very best friends, Jenny Membrino Nano. I am so beyond excited to have her here. Jenny has been a prominent modern dance teacher in the New England area for the past 30 years, and this episode really dives into Jenny's journey as a dance teacher, the challenges that she's faced, and some of the highest points of her career as well. She also talks in this episode about the importance of modern dance in the studio setting and the benefits for your dancers. So this is definitely an episode you don't want to miss out on. Aside from her incredible teaching, Jenny is an amazing choreographer. She has won many awards regionally and nationally, and aside from the awards that she's won, her work is truly amazing to see, and she has her very own modern dance company, Jenny and Company, who is actually putting on a performance this November, and we have all the information about that in today's show. Jenny is one of those teachers and choreographers that doesn't just teach dance. She nurtures, she cheers you on, she is there for you, and she is in her own way almost like a life coach to the students that she has through the years. It isn't just about the movement, but about the growth as a human in her class setting. And though she doesn't really get into that as much in today's episode, as a former student of hers, I just wanted to make sure I shared that because I think that as dance teachers, it's something that we can always remind ourselves to add more into our classes because what we are teaching and what we are giving are lessons that are so beyond the movement itself. And Jenny is an incredible example of this. Anybody who's had the chance to have worked with Jenny or be in her class or a piece that she is choreographing knows that Jenny is all around a beautiful human being inside and out. And there is no more who you would want cheering you on in your corner and I knew that she absolutely had to come on to dance teacher pep talk for all that she stands for and for all that she is and for Jenny's company performance at the end of the episode make sure you stick around because I will share all of the show details and remind you of where you'll be able to find Jenny and you can always check out the show notes as well for information on everything that we talk about today So without further ado, let's get into today's conversation with Jenny Membrino Nano. Hi, Jenny. Thank you so much for being here today with Dance Teacher Pep Talk. I am so looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm really excited for this. Awesome. I now I know you very well 
but the audience might not. So for the audience, could you tell us a little bit about your journey in dance, how it started, you know, did you go to school for dance or what did the start of your dance journey look like? Sure, I'd love to share that. It's kind of a unique story um, where I did start dancing at a much later age than most. I was in high school. Um, I went to Lunenburg High School and I saw a um, dance company or dance studio called the Guild Dancers perform in an assembly. And I was just absolutely awestruck. I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was so incredibly creative. And one of my friends was actually in the studio or, or trained with the studio since she was little. And I instantly went to her and said, I really want to do this. I want to, I loved what you guys did and I just want to be part of it. Um, so I ended up just signing up in my first year, my was my junior year of high school. And um, I started with one modern class a week. They were primarily actually a modern dance studio. So I started one class a week. And then my senior year, I loved it so much that I got invited to a, what's called a composition class, essentially a choreography class. And so I took one modern class and the choreography class. And at that point, I just, I really couldn't get enough of it. And thankfully I had very, very supportive parents who, when I went to them and said, I wanted to go to college for dance, they agreed and, and they um, helped me find a place that they thought would be a good fit. Um, I honestly felt like I needed to go to college for dance because I was kind of further behind than most dancers. Most dancers start at such a younger age. And I was basically 16, 17 years old when I started. So I went to the University of Arts in Philadelphia and I actually um, received a BFA in dance, modern dance specifically. And then from there, that was pretty much the majority of my dance training. Um, and then I graduated and then kind of the next phase of, of my dancing, teaching and all that came about. I absolutely love that part of, well, this whole story of yours. And that was partially too why I wanted to share this with the audience, because I think for so many, they feel that if I didn't start dance at a young age, then I won't have success or I won't have a career with it. And so I love that your journey started later on and just seeing all the success that you've had, even having started later on, I just feel it like can show anybody that if they find dance and it brings them joy and passion that it can be a journey for them too. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. And upon, okay. So after you, you said you went to university of the arts mm -hmm. and after you left there, what were some of your first jobs? Like even like, you know, maybe not necessarily dance jobs, but like dance related jobs. Like what did you do once you left school? Well, when I first graduated, it was, you know, that scary moment where you're like, what do I do now? Um, especially as a dancer, it's not like I had this big career, lucrative career in front of me. So I knew I wanted to kind of try to go out there and audition and make it into a dance company. That was very short lived just because obviously in that stage, it didn't really pay the bills quickly. And I loved choreography and it was something that I really couldn't find where around where I was. Um, I did, when I did first start teaching, I started at a couple local studios and I also did some musicals, which was kind of a good way for me to choreograph. It was a little more structured, obviously, because those are set, but I still had a, some creative freedom and um, I did really enjoy doing that and kind of got my creative juices going a bit. 
teaching um, at some local studios too. Obviously, it's hard when you first jump into teaching, especially at such a young age, because I was at the time, I guess I was around 22. And just with the experience I had from college, you know, I had a lot of information to bring to the dance world, but I didn't grow up in a dance studio per se with a bunch of like I didn't dance since I was two or three years old. So I didn't know like the whole, really the whole big dance studio environment. I only knew this one little dance studio called the Guild in Lunarburg, Mass that had modern dance. And although it was an incredible opportunity, it didn't have all the other genres that all other dance studios had. So I honestly, I just taught some at some dance studios and I kind of had to make things balanced by, you know, I worked at Walmart, I made sandwiches, I um, did some cleaning jobs, like I did what I needed to do to make ends meet so that I could still do my passion and what I really, really wanted to do in life. Yeah, I that's that's awesome. And I think it's so important too that you you shared that because I think so often people will be like, okay, here we go dance. And all of my jobs are going to be dance related jobs. But like, there are so many other things that like you need to sometimes do in order to be able to do what you love. So having dance, yes, it paid some of the bills, but also knowing that there were other things that you had to do as well. And you know, with your dance teaching journey and how it started and all of that, like what subjects did you start out teaching? Because when you when you graduated college, was it like it was the 90s? Was it I forget when you graduated? I graduated in 1994. Yeah. You know, I had to find a job the old fashioned way, you know, like look in the newspaper. So it was like higher. <laughs> um, at the time, there was a local um, dance um place that sold dancewear and um, it's called Dancers Boutique and they they knew of jobs like studios that were looking for um, teachers so that was kind of more like that like you didn't jump on Indeed or jump on you know the internet and find a job and apply for it so it was a little harder but yeah I, I started uh, I think I've been teaching for almost 30 years now I primarily started teaching jazz believe it or not, and modern, but modern wasn't that prevalent. I started to take on more, as I grew and taught more and got, got older, I I started to teach more disciplines. I got a little more confident in my teaching. So I teach like improvisation, lyrical, some contemporary choreography, some strength and conditioning. And um, I've done some hip hop when we've been, you know, the studio has been a little shy on a hip hop teacher. Um, so, but my main focus has always been modern. My main passion has always been modern. And that's something I've wanted to share with and grow at as many studios as I can. That's awesome. I, I know that in, you know, in the intro, I did like kind of speak on how, growing up you were my teacher my mentor and all of that and I think it's like so cool like I always look back and think about this because when you know we started the studio very much like it had ballet jazz and tap like I think those were like the three main things and also going back to your point on how you didn't really come from a studio background in the sense that like you weren't raised through the levels of things like seeing, okay, you went through jazz one, two, three, or whatnot. Like you didn't go through those progressions in the studio sense. And so now like knowing that and looking back, I just, I think it's so cool how you were able to create your classes and your programs because like for me, I don't know how I would have like pulled that out into my teaching now if I hadn't had that knowledge of the structure 
and like the progression of things. And so I guess where I'm going with this too is, so when we had our, the studio, when I started at it, it was just like ballet, jazz and tap. And then you came in and you started offering modern and Mm -hmm. modern. It was just like, it was something that like, we didn't really know a lot about, like completely honest. Like I, I didn't know of other disciplines outside of ballet, jazz and tap, but I mean, this was the nineties and you know, I think eventually we had lyrical in there too, like soon around modern and maybe it was like modern first and then lyrical came in. Um, but, you know, small town Massachusetts studio type of thing. It wasn't like we were also seeing the big companies. We weren't really seeing like the performances or like the dance companies. They didn't come to our area. Like if you wanted to see dance, like you would need to go like closer to Boston. Well, professional dance of like that type. And so when you came in and brought modern, it was just like so refreshing and so different. And I remember like everybody like really like jumped on taking it. And so you know, when, and I know you mentioned this too, like you started off with jazz and a little bit of modern, but like when you began teaching modern, did you see it in a lot of dance studios or was it like not very prevalent in the studio setting? Like, did you bring the program to the studios you taught at? Yeah, I pretty much brought the programs there. Like they might've been interested in doing a modern class because I had the training, but one modern class now has the studios I teach at have developed into so many more levels of modern, you know, it, before it was like, maybe, you know, you took that one class and they had that one modern offering to the older kids. But as time grew and like, I got established at the studios I was at and the, the studio that I, I taught you at, like we started with, I think just the more the one more advanced level dancers, or there might've been two. I can't remember exactly. It was so long ago at this point, but now we're at the point where we have like, I don't know, five different modern levels, you know? So, and now the, we opened it up to starting it at age seven, where before you, you know, you had to be a teenager. And um, so it definitely, I think has grown a lot more throughout the years as I've been teaching at other studios and, and have been able to build the programs up from there, or at least at the studios I've taught at, I've been able to do that. Yeah, no, I um, I remember that, like when it first came in and how like the older dancers got to have that experience. And I think that that was what really like drew me into it. And it kind of like similar to you, like when you saw that performance at the high school that like really moved you and you were like, I need to be a part of this. Like as soon as the older dancers, like they had their modern recital piece, like I remember like so much changed for me then because I, I felt like I found a style of dance that like could be for me. Like, I mean, I really enjoyed ballet. I really enjoyed jazz, but like there was something about modern that like I really felt super drawn to. I don't know if it was like, the abstract form or like, I don't know, the more like grounded, like nature of it or different times. There was something about it that was just really catching. And so, you know, when I went to school, like I, when I started um, at college and stuff, when I went to school for dance, the first semester I had modern and it was so interesting because, so I went to school in Florida, but I I was in a class of probably like 20 dancers. I, it wasn't like unbelievably large and it wasn't small either but I was one of the very few dancers that had had modern prior 
to university or college or whatnot. And so it was it was so interesting because we'd go in and so many were taking their first modern class. And for me, I had been taking modern at that point for years. So like I feel very lucky that I had that opportunity. And so, you know, what is what is your view on having modern being a part of studio programs prior to university and college dance? Yeah, I think I I to- I completely agree with what you said because I think a lot of times like the studios uh, definitely during your time too because you know you're you were from a little bit of a younger generation not younger but like not nineteen 19- yeah, yeah yeah the middle generation there. Yeah, the middle there but um yeah it wasn't as prevalent and I think um the I've noticed and I've even had students say to me that because they have this modern training from their dance studios similar to you like when they went to their audition for college or or whatever whether they're major and you know majoring in dance or minoring in dance and they still had to do the audition process in college that they had this whole modern component to it and they couldn't believe how many people didn't know what modern really was or how to move you know the in modern technique and it was new to them and that's that right there is scary especially in an audition time you know because you want to be well-rounded as a dancer you want to know how to do every discipline because you just never know what any audition process is going to throw at you so I think the dancers that do have modern in their studios are a little more well diverse they understand the movement quality it is a much different way of moving like you said and and I think that's what drew me to it too is because I felt like it was kind of a style that anybody really could do not that anybody can't do jazz or ballet or you know tap but it just I felt like it it feels good in almost everybody's body or at least that's kind of what I visually see from it so like modern gave me that freedom to kind of like move in a more abstract way and not feel like I was doing something wrong per se so I think like being able to be diverse like that and going into the college setting I find that the girls or the boys that are trained in um in modern dance then who go to college for it um are just have a better stepping stone into to it and they've their stamina I feel like is just stronger because especially I know from my modern that I teach it's just it's a little more athletic um they might have a little more body awareness of how their body can kind of move in different ways rather than just in the structured ways that the other disciplines will give them so um, I think it just gives them like a little bit of an upper hand going into the college scene. And because modern dance is so prevalent in college, it's just for some reason, people don't know that a lot of people don't realize that modern is there is a lot of modern dance in college. Yeah, definitely. When I went, I mean, it was like late to uh, yeah, 2007. My program, it was ballet and modern. Like those were the two that was, you. I don't even think there was jazz until like uh, later on, like upperclassmen ages. I mean, I didn't stick through the dance program, but I'm pretty sure that's how they had, had it structured. And yeah, I think, yeah, just ballet and modern. And I definitely felt ready. There were people in my class that did not feel ready at all. And like you said, with people preparing for auditions and things like that, I can totally understand that because if you're given like a sheet of skills or technical names of things and you've never done them before like yeah that can be very scary so I I totally stand by the thinking that having modern being a part of your studio training prior to university I think 
it can only help you even further. And it's so, like you said, it makes you more versatile and it really, it makes, I feel like it makes you stronger. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I'm like generalizing, but like, you know, I know you've taught in many different studios over the years. And so like, have you, do you see a difference between dancers that have a modern program in their studio versus like dancers that maybe don't like, do you see any general themes there? Um, I do. I think there's just like, like I kind of said a little bit, but like the body of being aware of your body and different ways it can move. So with modern, we work so much with like releases and, and, you know, kind of letting your body go in different ways. Like I always try to say, like a lot of times with my younger kids, I'll start with this thing called a shake combination. I know you know what this is, Amanda, but yes, <laughs> basically like they're loosening up their whole bodies. And I'll say to them, I'm like, you're so used to in your ballet classes and your jazz classes and all those classes of staying really, really lifted and your arms have to go a certain way and be placed a certain way. And I'm like, I just want you to let all that go and shake all that kind of tension in your body and let it go. And I think it just makes for the studios that do have the modern in it makes for a more well-rounded stronger dancer where the studios that don't have it I think they're just missing that component and so those students don't necessarily have have that like upper hand that the other students who do have modern have um stamina wise too I think it really like at least for the modern classes I teach that it really pushes my students stamina wise you know, we do, I do a lot of like drilling of steps and um, I'm a, I'm a teacher that's very, I believe a lot in repetition and really trying to fine tune something and that you're not going to just learn it even in your first, second, third year. You know, I, it's funny because I remember learning in um, college about all the different, you know, choreographers and history and stuff. And Martha Graham, who's a very famous modern choreographer was one of them. And I remember, I'm pretty sure, and don't quote me exactly on this, but I'm pretty sure she said something along the lines of like, she does a, what's called a contraction. And, and she said, you can't master, it takes at least 10 years to master a contraction, you know? And it's like, I think I believe so much in like, yes, it takes a lot of time to master something. So that repetitive doing things over and over again. So I know for me, I think because I teach like that, a lot of times, and I think a lot of modern is like that, that those students just just become used to learning how to like train and really work technical rather than necessarily like, you know, just going in and learning a combination, you know, and like they have that whole technical component behind it where you might not get in some of your other classes. So yeah, I think I that's definitely. I can definitely attest to that. Like, I mean, just from my personal experience taking your class, like there was definitely a lot of, like, I don't want to call it drills, but like we, we got stronger because of the practice that we did with the skills and like the sequence of how you taught it. And so like, I definitely felt that. And it's like, I could feel the progression through the years, like looking back, I, I mean, during it, I might not have been like as aware, but like looking back, I can totally see the difference between like how it all like progressed together year after year. Just like you said, it like takes time to like work towards mastery. And so I completely, yeah, completely understand what you're saying. It's like when we, it's something like as simple as like coccyx sits for example like everybody <laughs> holds those and then I go and I start teaching them to the youngest kids and they only lower you know what two sets of eight or something and they do like just a very minute amount of coccyx sits because they're learning the basic skills behind them and how to do it and that's hard for them at that age and then 
you know, my older kids, I think I'm up to about 12 sets of eight of lowering at this point. I don't even think I got oh there with my gosh. So I, I don't mean, think I would know what to do with that. But they like it's funny because they'll they'll see them and they say, Well, well, how come like we don't do that? Said, well, you did. Like you're now here, you know, you were there, you now progressed to here. It might have felt like torture, you know, the past 12 years, but you have progressed there. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And I know like, and you're talking about like how you're, you know, building the skills and, and through everything you mentioned that, you know, your style of modern and the type of modern class that you're teaching, you tend to describe it as a little bit more athletic, but like, if you could describe your style a little more of your modern class, you know, what would you say is that style? And which styles of modern were you most drawn to to like compile into your teaching because I know there's so many different like schools or like tracks of modern like based on the different pioneers and you know were there any specific pioneers that you really felt the most drawn to to create your class yeah yeah definitely so I learned a lot about the pioneers of modern dance and then I also did a lot of my own research search on it because I just found it really fascinating that there were so many different styles of modern dance um, and in college I had done Graham technique Horton technique and Taylor technique were the three main modern styles that we basically were taught so I kind of have a my my teaching has a blend of kind of all of those things so I have a very Horton based style to my teaching because I feel like that that's it's just an easier modern concept to understand and it's probably the more popular one that you see um, on students and being taught I also learned a lot of Graham however Graham is extremely hard so I try to just introduce it to my students so they're they know what it is they're aware of what it is but they're not necessarily proficient in it but they know what it is. So if it was, if they were in an audition setting and were asked to do something, they could basically get the main concept of it. And then a little bit of Paul Taylor and Twyla Tharp style. So I kind of do a blend of different things and I've kind of created my own individual style through those blends of all those probably four main pioneers. And, and then I've also through you know, the years of teaching and what works well for my students and what they need to work on. Then, you know, nowadays we have YouTube and Google and you can research and find things and help advance your own teaching and, you know, look back at previous choreographers from pioneers and like the work that they did and be able to, you know, help your students learn more about them as well and kind of incorporate it into your classes. So I feel like I only have these kids for an hour to an hour and a half every week. So I try to give them a blend of as much as I can. So they understand a lot, but um, I don't just make it one discipline per se or one technique per se. Yes. And as, as a student of yours, I loved that because I felt like there was a lot of variety, but I felt like there was also a lot of like personalization of you like it was your style of many different schools of thought and and so I definitely felt like it was like a very successful format just you know speaking speaking for myself um of course um so talking about you know your years we've been really talking about teaching and modern 
could you sort of like describe any of your biggest struggles that you faced through your teaching years and like also a big win of yours during your teaching years? Sure, yeah. So I think the struggles that I had, the biggest one would probably be when um, I became a mom. So it's really, really hard balancing teaching life with mom life <laughs> um it's hard enough with like having a spouse because you take a lot of your time is taken away in the evenings when your spouse most likely has a regular daytime job and you now work evenings and then you add kids into the equation so I have two kids who are now grown but at the time when through most of my teaching um my kids were very young and I found it really, really difficult to juggle. Like I want my passion. Like I love to teach. And it was also an outlet for me because it was dance and dance is such a crucial part of my life that I found it difficult to balance teaching and being there for my kids at night, you know, dinner or bed. Like a lot of times my kids stayed up entirely too late just because I wanted to be able to see them and to be able to and to be able to put them in bed and how did your day, you know, school day go and all of that. So I found it really hard balancing that. And I won't lie, I do have some regrets. I wish I had scaled back a little more because now I'm I'm more than capable of teaching more now because my children are older. I mean, so it like I feel like I should have almost done opposite what I'm doing now because I'm actually teaching a little less now than I than I did when they were younger. But um you also do what you have to do to for your family at that time. So so that would probably be my biggest regret and like just not being as present as I wish I could have been I'm not saying I wasn't at all like I drove him to school sometimes we did all that stuff but I just wish I was home a little more at night and then another struggle like teaching wise would be believe it or not I do have a lot of self-doubt and lack of confidence in my abilities as a teacher and a choreographer I question a lot of the things I do and and sometimes think what I'm putting out there, especially as a choreographer, isn't good. And so I struggle with that a lot. And but I also think it it's one of those things that I think too that it keeps me on track though as well. And it keeps me focused and it keeps me trying to better myself as a teacher and a choreographer. As for a win, so you were a part of this situation. This is the it was a year that I choreographed the production number for the dance center and I choreographed a, a piece called Tree of Souls and honestly the win part of this isn't the fact that we won nationals the win part of this is that I felt this moment where my creativity and my artistry just like switched it was like it was almost like there was something hidden inside of me and all of a sudden it unlocked and I was like whoa like this like I was creating things that I felt proud of. Um, I was creating things that I had never done before. I created a piece that I just, it didn't matter to me. It honestly did not matter to me how it did in the competition world. I think I cried like the moment I saw it all put together because I couldn't believe that my own brain put that. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow, I can't believe I just did that. And I, the excitement, like I to this day, I remember being on the phone with my mom in the basement studio, like getting ready to walk upstairs into production rehearsal. And I was like trying to talk through something. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I do this and this and this. And like, she was part of that excitement and that moment where like the the switch just came on. And 
I just got this idea and I rolled with it. And, and so that was like a pivotal point, I think, in my, myself as a choreographer and my artist, my, my own artistry. So. Yeah, that was an incredible piece. Like I, I still remember, and I remember all those moments with you, like the tears and the excitement, the whole journey of that year, that was, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It really was like such a, such a creative moment for you it was it was like one of the biggest pieces I feel like you've ever done and so also like knowing the hours and work and like the time like not even just the choreography itself but like the costuming and all all the preparation like that went into it and stuff like it was so so beyond and I feel like everybody that saw it like said the exact same thing like even people that we didn't know like you know they'd come up to you and it was just that was that was so special and I and thank you also for sharing your struggles too because you know the self-doubt I feel is like something that we all experience and then it's it's so beautiful then to have those moments like your wins when it's like you really do feel like so proud of the work that you did or you just you know just so grateful for everything that you put together and you know also thank you for sharing about your journey with parenthood because like that's something that I definitely struggle with too is just you know giving the time that I so deeply want to give to my family and then also you know having this really strong passion for dance and just how to you know how to balance and also just how to be like aware of where my time goes and so thank you so much for sharing all of that yeah yeah it's definitely hard and I'm so happy you were part of all of (laughs) those good things too because it was like it made it even more special to have you there with me, you know. Oh, and- yeah, of course. I mean, they were amazing moments. Like, seriously. Yes. <laughs> All right. So speaking on your choreography, I know we were just talking about one of your biggest wins, but I have left out a huge part of your journey from this podcast episode. But the reason is, is because I kind of wanted to end on this note a little bit. And so one of the biggest points of inspiration in my life as a dancer was watching your modern dance company performances because you not only taught dance but you also are the founder and creative director of your own modern contemporary dance company Jenny and Company and I talk about this you know to students now I talk about it to anyone but like growing up Jenny and Company was such a huge inspiration for myself because I remember like every I feel like back then you were doing a lot more shows but like anytime you'd put up a flyer on the studio bulletin board it would be like immediately like mom you need to buy tickets we have to go to the show and you know it was such a huge part of my inspiration to start um, being interested in choreography interested in performance interested in just like the creative side of dance outside of you know studio time and so I just I remember being like a little girl like you know probably eight uh, probably eight years old or what maybe 10 and you know my mom and my best friend who you know danced with me at the time too we would go to like Applebee's for dinner and then we get to go to your shows and so I know it's a huge part of your journey, so I really want to dive into that now. So for your company, I just was, I have a couple questions. When did you start your company? And could you talk a little bit about your initial vision for the company? Like, you know, how it started, what it looked like, all of that. 
Yeah, definitely. So I started my company in pretty much 1994, like right after I had graduated from college. And I realized that I wasn't going to necessarily dance professionally. I, I decided that I was going to teach and everything. I my my biggest passion in dance is choreography. Like I love to teach, but I love to choreograph even more. So when I graduated from college and, you know, I came back to little Lunenburg, Massachusetts, <laughs> where there is basically, was at the time basically nothing. And like you had said earlier, if you wanted to go see a dance show, you essentially had to drive into Boston to go see something. I realized that I really didn't have any outlets, one, to choreograph. Like I had, I really, other than teaching and maybe doing some recital work, I didn't have any outlets to, and that's a little more structured, but I didn't have any, like, create a lot of creative freedom, and that's what I was striving and wanting to do, so, and I also realized that there was nothing offered around us that you could even just go and see a show easily, you know, like, driving into Boston was, let's admit, it's a lot of work, it takes time, it's, you know, it's, it's a commitment for a, a lot of your night to go see a show and is and it's expensive and you know a lot of things come with it so I wanted to be able to one offer a place where I could be have my creative freedom to offer this opportunity to dancers to be able to perform in basically almost like a pre-professional company setting as professional as I could make it so they kind of understood what it would be like to be in a professional company and then um, to be able to offer something to the community that they could go to that was local, um, that more people would be able to enjoy um, and kind of just bring a little more modern dance to the community. That's basically when I, I looked, my, my dad had owned a garage at the time and I looked at my parents and said, hey, can I convert half of the second floor over to a black box theater? And I'm like... <laughs> come up with this like crazy idea and you know I have to say my parents have been so incredibly supportive because you know I went to them when I wanted to go to college you know I had no I'd only been dancing for two years and taking one to two classes a week you know and they were supportive and said sure this is what you want to do this is what you're going to do so um so they were really good about it so um so that was kind of when I I started the company and started to get things going and I remember back then you had to put ads and it's called backstage I think newspaper I think they they're still around but probably online but looking for dancers to be in the company and then I'd ask the few studios I taught at I think um, I ended up asking some dancers because at that point I think a lot of it was more invite only type of scenario because nobody really knew who I was or anything and just asking the more advanced dancers like if they'd like to you know do this endeavor with me and and be a part of the company so at that time and you had mentioned this like I did have I used to do two shows a year I used to do one in the fall and one in the spring but then as my teaching career got going more and then competition got more prevalent in dance studios I wasn't able to do a spring show anymore because students were so involved in competition and so now now we just do the fall oh okay that is so interesting because it makes so much sense I mean I know like 
even with my experience like with competition like I don't think we really started I feel like I was maybe like 10 when we first had a competition experience but it was with a dance that we had already done in recital and it was very small I mean all the way through my comp life in the studio sense like we we didn't have an crazy amount of pieces like we just brought you know a handful here and there and so I totally though see like the competition world explosion in the studio setting because you know when we look back to like what I did for comp and what like teams do now it's that makes so much sense now because I wondered why why the spring shows must have stopped or like the two a years and that explanation I had no idea but yeah that makes so much sense but yeah I would seriously I would always look forward to it like the the fall show the spring show we've made it all the whole thing and yeah so I know you know you also have a show coming up now, which we we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but how I, I know we just spoke about how like the fall and spring shows are different now. But other than that, too, how has your company shifted from how it was in the beginning to where it is now? Oh, yeah, it shifted a lot. So, I mean, at the time, I was kind of like I said, housed in like that black box theater. That was kind of our home. We had set up a hundred seats and we did three shows every time we had a performance and it was just a like we couldn't even sell 100 tickets I think the first time I sold oh one of the shows I couldn't believe it um so from that point we stopped doing shows there because we just started growing and then we moved to a local theater pretty close to where that was um it was just in a in a private school and then we started doing those and I, I feel like Kind of what happened was I started dwindling down to just the fall shows because of, like you said, the kind of like the competition explosion. Then I had kids and I did shows while I had kids, but they started like sometimes I had to have to take a year off. I couldn't do something. Life was just too busy, you know, so the shows started to not be as consistent as every year. And then from there, um, if we really kind of come more to this time, like COVID hit and then I didn't want anything to do with even trying to run a theater. Um, so our last show was in 2019. And so this will be our first show back. And I just like, I played around with all kinds of different ideas when I first started the company. It was more in advanced dancers. And then one year I did like a junior company and I had 12, 13 year olds in it. I did that for one year. It wasn't quite what I wanted to do. So um, it didn't like work out exactly how I had planned, but it was still a good experience to see that okay, this isn't going to work the way I want it to. Um, and now it's just kind of morphed into like you basically um, dancers 16 and over some years. The last show I had a lot of adult dancers this year. I have, I still have a good amount. I probably have four, but on the lower age end of like 18, 19, I think the oldest is 23. And then, so now it's a whole audition process where before like the very first show, it was all invite essentially. Now it's an audition process, which the with the occasional invite to come to the audition, if they are under age, under the age of 16, I will occasionally do that. I have one dancer like that in the company right now. And yeah, so I just focus a little more on like the advanced dancer that understands modern. So a lot of these dancers have trained with me. As a matter of fact, every single dancer in the company right now has trained with me, <laughs> has been my student at some point. So um 
so they understand my style. They understand modern dance. Um, so they they understand what's expected um, of them in the company. Yeah, and speaking as an alumni, I mean, definitely all of my Jenny and Company shows because after having watched them all and being like so inspired by them growing up, like I couldn't wait to join when my time came and all of the memories I have are just so special because, you know, it really did like, you know, I know you said you tried to keep it as professional as you could or professional feeling as you could. And like, it really did. It felt like, you know, everything that I was doing, it, it felt so special. Like I really don't know how else to explain it. And so um, I'm so glad that I have gotten to be a part of that and also to be able to watch the journey of your company through the years, how it has unfolded and to, to where it continues to go. Yeah, well, and it's so neat. It's fun, kind of funny how full circle now we hear talking and you were my student and you were my company and I'm sure we'll get to it, but now you're choreographing in the company. So it's, it's kind of funny, like the full circle that we've had with this. Yes, no, I agree. And it's been like the most beautiful journey and I'm like, so, so, so grateful for it. So, um, you know, I obviously love everything Jenny and company and I want to like shout it to the world. So can you tell us a little bit more about the upcoming performance and how we can see it? Because I know we're located in central mass, but I mean, if you're in the Massachusetts area or Southern New Hampshire, this is a really beautiful show to come and see. So can you tell us a little bit more about this year's performance? Yeah, definitely. So I always want to try to tell everybody that to just come and see it. And like, even my students that have never seen it before, I, I tell them, I'm like, I'm not saying it just because it's mine. Like, I genuinely think you will love this performance because it's one of those shows that I always try to kind of hit all the different emotions throughout um, because I think a good performance does that, kind of puts you on a little bit of a, a roller coaster. There's that joy. There's those moments that maybe a little deeper, a little sad. And then I always try to throw in some comedy, some like ridiculous, crazy comedy pieces that... <laughs> are like, for some reason, are usually a huge hit. So it's basically, this show is called Haiku, and each piece is based off of a haiku. And the company is comprised of 13 full-time dancers right now. Um, and we do have some guest performers as well. These girls have been rehearsing on Sundays, sometimes Saturdays, but 12-hour rehearsal days on Sundays since June. Like, they have been working really, really hard in the studio to get this show together. A very, very supportive, um, creative, hardworking group. And so the show is at Lunenburg High School on Saturday, November 4th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, November 5th at 2 p.m. You can... If you know me, you can buy tickets off of me. You can buy tickets off of any of the company dancers, but you can also reach out to me, uh, my email or my um, our social media pages. Um, so the social media page, Jenny and Company on Facebook, um, and then Jenny Company on Instagram. And then for email, if you want to reach out, you can, it's Jenny and Company, J-E-N-N-I-E. A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y at gmail.com. And awesome. tickets are $25. $25. I okay. $25. You, okay, can, awesome. you can purchase tickets at the door if you want, but I do recommend purchasing them in advance if you can. Okay, yes. I love 
also that you explained a bit about the performance because you're so right. It is such a whirlwind of emotion, highs, lows, everything. And I think that is also too, just what drew me to the performance as a young child, because, you know, up until then, I really only had the experience of recitals and recitals like, yeah, they're wonderful as like an end of the season closure for studios. But like, you're getting most of the time a theme of like, okay, like say the theme is like, I mean, circus or something. And you've got um, the little kids doing popcorn and then come out the lions and this and that, like, it's all themed like to, to the recital theme, but like your shows, they just go into so many depths of human emotion. And I, it's just, it's overall such a great experience. So I really do hope that everyone will take advantage of going to see this performance. You, me too. All right, and really quick, just for fun, because I wanted to throw some of these in here. I have just a quick um, three questions to close out on, like sort of like a rapid fire, but not necessarily. So my first question for you is, if you could meet any dance legend, who would it be? Oh, boy. Um, Okay, so this is really hard. I have three, but I'll go fast. Three. Um, Martha Graham, of course, because she's basically the legend in modern dance when people think modern dance, just for her unique style and my body just could never get it. So I would love to just sit down and like, look at her and talk to her and be like, please explain this to me. <laughs> Merce Cunningham, which a lot of people don't talk about, but he didn't choreograph movement to coincide with the rhythms of the music. Instead, he preferred to have music and dance perform simultaneously yet independent of each other so a lot of times you choreograph a piece and then put music to it and it just ended how it ended and I always thought that was fascinating and then Paul Taylor I just loved his high energy and creativity and I'm a little biased because I got to perform in one of his pieces that they reconstructed in college and one of my absolute favorite modern teachers was in his company and she reconstructed the piece and she was just such a uh, like somebody who really, really believed in me and pushed me in my training in college and probably one of the most influential teachers I had had. So like, I want to be able to like trace back to her steps of him, her working with him. So. Oh, love that. Um, second question. If you could give any piece of advice to an up and coming dancer or dance teacher, what would it be? Trust yourself like give and give yourself time to learn who you are as a dancer and educator and then also realize that you're going to make mistakes and that's just how we learn I mean we say that to our students all the time you know like we don't expect you to be perfect like you need to work on this it's the same thing for us teachers you know we we're learning too and so um and you'll learn what works for you and what doesn't work for you and you know just realize that you'll kind of figure out your own rhythm and your own style and your own way of doing things that you feel comfortable and confident with. Yes, I totally agree. Beautifully said. Okay, one more question. I'm really, really big on mindfulness here on Dance Teacher Pep Talk. So what are ways that you protect and honor your self-care or soul care through the busy times of being a dance teacher? All right, this is something that I have been horrible at (laughs) (laughs) okay honest yeah Yeah. so it honestly probably wasn't until like the last year or two that I realized the importance of this because I was always just go 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 and then I crash 
and then I go, 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 go and get overwhelmed and crash. And I realized that that really isn't the best way probably to be teaching and living life. So, um, so I, I realized I needed to, to realize, like, I always had this mentality of like, I needed to just, you know, busy was good and like, which busy isn't good. Like that isn't a badge of honor to say, Oh, I'm busy, you know, um, or that, like, I always had to be doing something and always had to be going and I couldn't give myself any time because that was almost being lazy because kind of an old school thought way of thinking, but I realized the past couple of years that, that, um, that that's just not true, <laughs> that you have to take care of yourself. And, and if I take care of myself, I'm going to be able to give others that I love and um, my students even more, and it benefits me at the same time. So my kind of go-to things now that I try to do would be to go for a walk or to do some meditation to read, to maybe like give myself permission to take two hours and just completely immerse myself and binge watch something on Netflix if I want to. And just letting, giving myself permission to do those things and realizing that there's nothing wrong with it. Like I need to do those things to keep myself in a healthy, happy, productive place. Yeah, I definitely think that is something that we as a society like definitely need to check in more with that busyness doesn't equate to worthiness that we just have to, you know, make sure that we're living life for ourselves too, and not just for that hustle or like the go go kind of feeling. So um, I love that you shared some of your tips of how you find time for yourself. And um, before we get going, where can we find, I know you shared your information about Jenny and company for the show, but where can we find more information about you and all that you do? Like, where are you on Instagram and all of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'm probably more active, like dance wise on Instagram. So my, it's Jen, J-E-N-M-E-M-3-9 for Instagram and um, Jenny Membrino Nano for Facebook. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to close out the show in just a little bit. But Jenny, before I do, I just want to thank you so, so much for being here today. I'm so happy that I've had the opportunity to share you with the Dance Teacher Pep Talk podcast. And I am so grateful that you were here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I don't want to leave without saying that you also should come and see the show because Amanda choreographed two pieces. So definitely come and see the show. Yeah, a little bit there too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, my daughter who grew up dancing, who is now in LA, choreographed a piece. Um, so there's all, all kinds of neat, like just fun little things that we think that you'll enjoy. So, um, but thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I really do appreciate it. And I hope that I've been able to inspire and or educate or just share my journey with others with teaching and with modern dance because I am so passionate about it so thank you for giving me this opportunity to share yes of course and you definitely I feel have done that today so thank you again so much 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Jenny as much as I did. And if you are looking for her information about her show or any of her socials, you can check it all out in our show notes. But once more, don't forget to check out her Jenny and Company performance of Haiku being performed at Lunenburg High School Saturday, November 4th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, November 5th at 2 p.m. Tickets are $25, and you can get tickets by emailing jennyandcompany at gmail.com. That's all spelled out, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y at gmail.com. Or you can find her Jenny and Company social, which is Jenny Company on Instagram or Jenny and Company on Facebook. You can also find Jenny on Instagram at jenmem39. And again, all of those details are in the show notes. So thank you so much. And I look forward to talking with you all soon. 